realize I could probably fit that. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. And Dr. Squee. And we're here to talk about the latest episode of Lower Decks, the least dangerous game, and also the DS9 episode Rivals, which is one of my favourites, which I know is a, a controversial opinion. And also, it's quite a good episode, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad episode, but it, it also features one of Admiral Elliot's favourites, Space Magic. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, this is, this is probably one of the heaviest Space Magic episodes that exist in <laughs> yeah. the Patrick Cannon. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's never explained. Nothing the machines. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. But yeah, first of all, lower decks. Um, oh, actually, quick bit of Trek news before that. Tomorrow is Star Trek Day, so keep an eye on all the Star Trek socials and everything like that. Fingers crossed for a Picard Season 3 full-length trailer, but we'll bring you all the news about that next week. So yeah, the... the review trailers... Yeah. Um, so the least dangerous game then starts off. Absolutely love the Martok hosted Dungeons and Dragons atmosphere <laughs> type thing. Like, I don't know if this made it over the pond or to anywhere else in the world, but do you guys remember the video board game Atmosphere? The, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The use of, yeah, and it'd have the guy. And then a friend of mine for uh, his Halloween party puts it on quite regularly. He hosts a yearly Halloween party. So I was just so made up that I got to play it finally. Yeah. Like, it, it was great. It had, like, the creepy gatekeeper guy and you'd be playing the game and he'd stop you every so often and he'd be like, right, you need to roll a dice and then do that. And this really reminded me of that. And, of course, Star Trek did do a knockoff of that, didn't they? It was... It was a Star Trek video board game, and it was a Klingon played by Robert O'Reilly, but it wasn't Gowron, which was a little bit weird. And he'd, like, taken control of the Enterprise, and you, you had to move your pieces around the Enterprise to do something, and he'd stop every so often and make you do it. So it was exactly the same concept, but it was a Star Trek one, so... I have a feeling they were probably channeling that a little bit more than Atmosphere specifically, but... Either way, I enjoyed it. They had the video game of uh, uh, Klingon video game as well, and there was a board yeah. one. And I remember they made them into audio books with the loosest of um, voiceovers by some rando guy. And it just, I mean, look, it, it was a Star Trek audio book. Of course I was going to buy it, but it just, it was just really shoddy. It was like it was so obvious they'd taken sound bites from the game. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't really work. But always fun to get more Star Trek. Worked out like a story to fit round it, kind of thing. Oh, completely. And the the guy who was playing the, I mean, it, it was fine, but it was kind of a very cheesy American, like a 
golly gee. And I didn't know if Gerwin was going to give me another, or Q was going to give me another chance because Q was in the Borg one, I think. I was all, yeah. Right. I remember him being out, but I, I don't think I had a PC that were good enough to actually run them at the time, so... Yeah. Never got to play them once. I wonder if they're on that. I never played them. I just listened to the audiobooks, which just, as I say, d- didn't truly work. Oh, that's hardcore. Like, I don't play the games. I just listen to the audio adaptation. <laughs> yeah, I'm a purist. Yeah. Give me Tomb Raider, the audio <laughs> adventure. Anyway, so yeah, Mad Talk, really good fun. Then there's a callback to Vendor, this bullion guy. And I'd forgotten, but he's actually in the first season and he does get hit by a spear. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I just love how excited that uh, Bradwood is about uh, getting this game and he's talking about the Garon expansion. Oh, the Garon expansion. The, the language of it that they go into so well, whenever they reference anything, is just geek Nevada. Like, never before have we been treated to... So I'm really just just knowing, like doing the research on everything, getting every detail right. Mm. It's just so they must take so long over these scripts. Yeah, and the idea that it's the Ferengis who are making these games—that makes sense. Yeah, it really yeah. does. But I, I just especially love the especially when you see that. Especially when you see if you want to continue, buy the expansion pack. <laughs> yeah. All, all I wanted to add to it to make it perfect would be like if coming up with a. Um, a, a little um, writing on the screen saying it's like uh, brought to you by Quark Games. <laughs> or Quark yeah, Intrigue. that'd have been good. It's like I remember uh, my wife downloaded one of these apps where it's like a Tamagotchi, uh, but it was you had a little dog and you looked after this little dog, and she did it diligently, right? You know, she tapped the thing when you were supposed to. She fed it. She watered it. She walked it. She did everything you were meant to do in this game. And then about three days into it, it just goes, it was called Charles, it goes, Charles has died. Um, But don't worry, you can bring Charles back to life for 79p. And I was like, tell him a bollocks. So she pressed no. And then it said, are you sure? Charles will be dead forever if you don't (laughs) pay 79p. And I'm like, like, this is obviously aimed at children and it's got, you know, you'll have kids crying their eyes out going, I need to yeah. pay 79p for Charles. Anyway, I just said no. It's off to do that every three days. <clears throat> yeah. So I said no. I I took the hit. I was like, I'll I'll kill Charles. Did it. And then made a new one. Just called it Charles again. There you go. I mean, the, the more more worry I would have would be a kid going up to their parents and like, you know, look, I'm sorry, but... Um, Little Charles, your dog, their real-life dog, I'm sorry, they passed away. Okay, I've got ATP, it's fine. I, I can oh, yeah, this. I didn't think of that. Yeah. yeah, when they go to vets, they'll get a shock then when it's not 79p <laughs> for your vet bill. <laughs> Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah the, dog's like, the, the, the kid's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah, just keep my, my quid pocket money. Yeah, just bring him back. It's I mean, like... That's how free games make the money. <laughs> but it is, isn't it? No, I think this one was 79p to get it in the first place. Then it was like 79p every time you kill it. Um, but the point is, it wasn't a fair game because she did do everything you were meant to do and the it should have been fine. Anyway, that's my, that's my rant for the, the Charles game out of the way. 
But the upshot of all this game is that it makes Boimler want to take more risks. So that's the the thread of the episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always nice uh, for just whatever he does, just the ridiculous, over-the-top kind of commitment he does to anything, <laughs> as he does in this one. And the other main plot, then, I suppose, is Mariner and these space elevators, but we can't call them space elevators. Yeah, I mean, again, like the, the, we've said before, we've, we've done all the movies, so we can't go back to them, but it just it did make me think of the uh, 2009 Star Trek. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like any, Anyone who's watching on the live stream, <laughs> Elliot's got that as his background. <laughs> And, yeah, it was absolutely Trek 2009, wasn't it? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. If I can do a deep cut, I can also relate it back to uh, Star Trek Generations because there was a deleted scene, which I I think you probably can still find it online, but Mm. you could at the time. And it's, like, got um, Kirk skydiving, which then, like, it says the thing about, like, you know, I was never really at risk. And like he talks on the ground, I think to, I think then Chekhov, Chekhov and Scotty, they were the ones who were available. And um, yeah, he talks about how it's not real, which echoes later thing. But like the none of the effects are put in or anything. He just got a couple of like bits of it, and then it goes uh, image to be added here. Uh, but yeah, yeah, random deep pull which came to my mind. Tell you what though, they 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 sold the action figure of Kirk in that skydiving gear. Like you could buy that even though it wasn't in film. I've never heard about that. Yeah, you could get that. You could get action figures of the new uniforms that they designed for Generations but never actually made before they decided to change it and make it um, the DS9 uniforms. So, yeah, they released loads of toys for Generations that never happened. Oh, I love it. They're probably worth a fortune now. Most likely, yeah. Um, then we get our big reference of the episode, which if we'd not done it last week, we'd have been doing justice this week, because we get this planet where they greet people by kissing people, and they run around everywhere, and... I was like, no, not again. Not again, damn you! Not again! Yeah, I don't... I, I think we'd have been pushing it doing justice twice, wouldn't we? Yeah. I mean, geez, what are the chances, though, after we, we watched that turkey of an episode, because of, like, only because we couldn't do the movie because we'd already done it, we end up doing that last week, and then they put in Justice for us. Mm. I swear, they're punking us. They went back in, they re-recorded <laughs> a bit, like, they, they, the animation team worked night and day just to punk us. Yeah, I like to think it's that... It's nice to know that they are watching us. Yeah, it's, yes. it's nice to think we've got some sway over the decision-making. But then we get the reference to the actual episode we're doing, because Boimler gives Springball a try, which is the exact same court as what we're going to see in Rivals. So that was when my Rivals alarm went off. I was like, we've got to do it. We've got to do this yeah, one. The only other suggestion me and Elliot had was maybe like something around the uh, Herogen and the hunting because I think there was a couple of there's a couple of hunting references obviously but yeah. I think they even mirrored a few shots or scenes of like yeah. in there somewhere. Yeah, I think with the Herogen, as I said to you guys, I think they're a good one to kind of keep in the back pocket because it's quite a tight arc that they have with the Herogen, and it's yeah, about you could do an actual. Could do a mini series with them. Yeah. Maybe so, when we get the when, maybe when we finish the Dominion War. Yeah. Oh, sorry, so twenty twenty seven. Maybe. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, the one thing though, I was thinking about this because I, I just went through the the uh, the six part uh, beginning to season six. Mm. Man, I, I think we need to somehow find six weeks in a row to do that just because they're so good as a. As um, a yeah, we do them during Prodigy. Well, yeah, they the, normally link into an into another episode, the same as Lower Decks does. Yeah, they're well, we're they're on the Dominion Wall list, so when we get there, um, that will be six episodes of our coverage of the Dominion Wall. But um, we just started season well, in order. We're mid season four, <laughs> mid so yeah, halfway through season four. It's gonna be a while before we get there, but we will yeah. do. It gets a lot more Dominion War e episodes as we go along. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And then, yeah, Boimler agrees to be hunted by this big scary alien guy, which is really good fun. Uh, meanwhile, they're all messing it up on the planet, and I love the conceit of this planet that, like, we've got... Uh, the, you know, the, they're obviously firing off all these rapid references to the original series and some of the silly setups we had there so it's like well is it a computer is it an intelligent baby is it a volcano and it turns out it's, it's all, all of them up. yeah 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 you're really overdoing it here guys <laughs> and i love that yeah, i like how they've got hardly any rules or anything and they all love them and then it's there how dare you not have your nipples on show <laughs> yeah. oh good point yeah, yeah it was navel not nipples because uh, one of them had nauty not an innie yeah. Which caused some greater offence. And when they get offended, like, how dare you question our government as if a volcano, an intelligent computer, and a baby are the most sensible ways you could possibly. <laughs> oh, and I know we're jumping ahead to this bit, but also, was it just me or when they had the baby? Did, did the way the baby's hair and, and the fact there was a baby complaining about the most minor things remind you of any political leader in America from the last president? I'm sure I couldn't possibly comment on it. Was it just me who picked up? I, I, I swear, like, there was just one shot they did. Like, the baby doesn't really look that much like Trump, but there was one shot they did when he was complaining what it just looked like Trump so much. It looked like it was a Trump parody. I mean, it didn't jump out at me, but I would not be surprised if that was um, part of the intent with that one, so... It was very subtle. It was just in one shot, but I just clocked and I was like, Trump. <laughs> there we go then. So that's another reason to rewatch this one. See if you agree. Oh, people are going to be complaining that Star Trek's got political, and Oh no, surely not. This is what I took from it. It may not even be the truth. But, yeah, it's um, it's one man's opinion. Don't worry. It's yeah, okay. As we've as we've said quite a few times on this show, uh, Star Trek very right wing. Always has mm. been. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Starfleet's a military organisation. watches it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the hunter guy, there's a bit where he says there are three types of prey and he lists the first two and then he's like, the other type is a flying lizard thing that doesn't apply to you. <laughs> oh, that guy was so cool. Yeah. Was so much fun. It was also when he's uh, going through the corridor. They get go, go past the captain. It's like, uh, someone's hunting you. Oh, my God, we must stop them. Oh, him? Oh, he's lovely. We had drinks at dinner. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, thank you. <laughs> Is it, thank you for the mojitos or something that he says yeah. as he runs faster? Yeah. Poor old Boimler. I mean, that, you know, he's, 
he thinks he's in danger and he's like, you know, I need my captain to help me. He's like, oh, no, 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 this is good. Carry on. Actually, there was also the scene where, uh, I, I, for half a second, I was wondering if they were going to lay towards something here when, um, so bad name, No uh, Wells, what's her character name? Tendi. Tendi. When she sits down on the bed next to him in, in her towel, I was like, are they going to have something between these two? Yeah, I wondered what were going on uh, there. You know what? It's turning to smut is this show. Yeah, I, I mean, the more disturbing bit was I was slightly turned on by it, but we won't go into that now. Well, someone who was naked then was the Dolphins, at least. And I love the that... thing is, between her and She-Hulk, it's a good time <coughs> if you're attracted by slightly uh, computer-enhanced women. Yeah, oh, bloody hell. Keep an eye on him when Avatar 2 comes out at Christmas. No, I, I'm not sick. I don't do blue uh, creatures who, who plug themselves into for sex. Like, that's just weird. Mm. The other bit's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, the dolphins. I love that we, we get the dolphins again, first of all, but also that they're clearly fed up with Boimler and his antics. They're just like, oh, such a drama queen, you know? Do you think they've been signed on as series regulars, these dolphins? I hope so, yeah, and I hope it's um I hope it's that dolphin that was in Sequest DSV. Because yes. you know oh, that, Darwin. Yeah, Darwin. I hope they've they found Darwin and given him some work again because you know it, What's gonna be what's gonna be nice to see, because like we know that Cetaceous Operations is sort of like hinted at in TNG. Mm. But now we see it, it will be really nice to actually see this done live action. Yeah. How they're gonna how they're gonna approach it. Yeah, I wonder yeah. It could just turn into Sequest DSV, which Yeah. Some of them were alright. It went a bit weird, let's be honest, but oh, yeah. uh, last season. When mm. it was Star Trek uh, sorry, um Sequest twenty twenty yeah, and they started time yeah. traveling and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, they uh, time traveled. They found themselves in the new uh, world. Michael Ironside was now the yes. captain. A couple. Yeah, of that the, was down uh, to the studio. Yeah, and then you had um, because yeah. Darwin lost his rank when they went to the future, which I wasn't happy about. Well, the studio made them completely move where the film did. Mm. Move from California to Florida. <laughs> Yeah, it was really odd. They had to, it was all brand new sets, so they had to. It was really weird. Do you um, remember? Who was it? Um, Bill Seagal, who was the producer on it. He has a modeling channel now, uh, Screwverse, and he does a DSV build. And because he was the producer, he tells all these different stories about yeah. when he was the producer of DSV. So you get all the, these little tidbits. Is, Really entertaining. I'm just hoping that this is the same dolphin he was Darwin because mm. um, after the Sequest show went away, uh, he was doing uh, dolphinograms. It, mm -hmm. it went very sad, very dark. He um, he was he was giving um, blowhole jobs for for cash. It was just yeah. it was not a good scene. For it was him. it was really bad. He auditioned to play the whale in Free Willy, but they were like, no, you know, dolphin yeah. can't play a whale. There wasn't enough. Yeah, no, no, that, that's uh, whale appropriation. Yeah, there weren't enough so equal opportunities play. casting in them days, so he didn't get that. It went on a bit of a downward spiral. Um, so yeah, hopefully. Went for the black whale. 
hopefully this is Darwin. And um, yeah, that's our headcanon. And please don't spoil it. If, if you happen to know who these actors are, please don't spoil it for us. <laughs> so then, yeah, Mariner goes skydiving because she thinks she knows better because, of course, she knows better. Ransom's trying well, to prove to that... Fair, Ransom is... Ransom was well in the wrong what he did. Mm. Yeah, he was. He sends his two engineers to the planet to do the diplomatic mission while him and Mariner stay on the space lift to to do the engineering job. It just made no sense. But it was because... Mariner was right that she was calling him out on it. Yeah, but it it was all a set-up, wasn't it? It was because he wanted Mariner to do this and it's like, yeah, but she has calls to in this instance because you are... Yeah, but the good thing of it was that he did like it was it was a out character thing to him for him to admit he was wrong and that he was going too hard on Mariner. And when he she does he does hit that moment and then she's like, ah, "Crap, let's climb back up this thing." Yeah, you guys are right that he was taking the wrong course of action, but he admitted that and actually <laughs> did the right thing. True. So, yeah. And, yeah, when she's climbing back up and a bit of it's a climbing wall and it's like, oh, the fitness freaks on this planet, that's why they've put a climbing wall yeah. here. I just love really weird, irreverent stuff like that that they put in. And, yeah. meanwhile, Boimler decides to take the fight to Kranich and gets speared for his trouble. And I love that he's got a selfie stick. Like, <laughs> yes, that, that joke probably won't translate too well like when people are watching this in 50 years yeah they'll be like what on earth was a selfie stick because no doubt they'll do something clever where your phone can float and take a picture of you by then but well you'd hope in 50 years that people have actually got over the fascination of having a phone on them and won't be glued to a screen constantly and won't have to take a photo every 10 seconds. But don't turn it off just yet until we finish. Then you can have some yeah. time away from screens. Two points here. One, like, if it was in no- if it was in the normal series, I might have more of a kind of, like, that stuff is cheesy. This is a comedy. It, it's fine. Yeah. It's good. But also, you know, how do we know that species just haven't, like, they... There's, it's a ceremonial selfie stick. This has to be used when they're taking photos after the Great yeah. Battle. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, I'm sure. You're like, I'm sure. Were it in live action, it wouldn't look quite as much like a selfie stick. But the that's where the thing is. That's where lower decks gets away with things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It has to be a completely different bar for lower decks to the normal. You know, the regular trek. Yeah. 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 And Ransom, like, Rick and Morty, like that would never happen. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a cartoon. It's yeah, exactly. Uh, Ransom saves the day by stripping off in the end, which was quite good fun, I suppose. There's something about him, like he's got like lightning veins or something. I wasn't quite sure what we're going on. Do, it's to do with his physique that he's well built and all that. Yeah. We've seen uh, Oh, we've seen that season one or season two. Mm. We did that where he stripped off to fight. So he's quite happy to take up to rip his top off. Oh, we know that. Okay. It was just this. It was this weird glowing stuff that were going on. I wasn't a hundred percent sure on. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that 
that about finishes off the episode. They they lose at the Martok game, and that's where it's like you must deposit so many credits to continue and all of that stuff. Which yeah, very Ferengi, you very good fun. You get your arm ripped off at a bar and beaten to death. Yeah, so you don't make it. So because strictly speaking, you killed yourself. Yeah, yeah, you died by your own hand. And I liked yeah. how how sudden it was. You can tell. It's like, you know, when you do play these mobile games and you get they let you play for a while and then you get to a certain point where they want you to give them money and all of a sudden, whatever game it is, whatever you're doing isn't working and it's clear the only way is by paying money to it. And that's pretty much what happens here. It just goes, oh, I want to try this. Yep, you're dead. And, like, yeah, yeah it's they've clearly maxed out the bit that they got yeah. for free. Okay, you want to continue you need to buy the lady so-and-so yeah extension pack so yeah great sort of comment on microtransactions and stuff he just must have had so much fun doing this this must have just been such a party like, i get to be martok again and i get to do a couple of funny bits and yeah even gives a uh, inspirational speech to boiler even though he's not technically interacting with him it's just really nicely done yeah like there's a bit where oh, i can't remember what it is now but they ask him something really minor and he's really intense about it like whoa this matok's intense about everything i uh, really yeah. yeah really good fun and great to have the voice of matok back though you never know maybe we might see him in picard if Worf's there they were good mates maybe yeah you never know yeah, it would be nice because they really played a lot of fast and loose with Worf when he left. First of all, when he left... Um, so he left... Sorry, uh, as Next Generation, when it ended, to go yeah. to over to DS9. Oh, no, after Generations, after Ship was destroyed. That got explained. But then at the end of DS9, he becomes uh, Prime Minister or whatever. He becomes the Klingon Ambassador. Matox the Chancellor. And Worf's the Ambassador to the Federation. But then they sort of like stop explaining why he goes back. <laughs> like yeah, after just... a while, they just go, and here he is. You know, it's like, and they never really. I mean, I, I'd like them to address the fact that he was the Klingon High Ambassador. Or the that's, Ambassador to Klingon, sorry. That's always been one of my complaints with Nemesis is it's like, you didn't have to contradict the end of DS9 by having Worf back in uniform. You could have said, we're off to Romulus, there's just been a coup. Wouldn't it make sense to have. An ambassador from the Klingon Empire there with us. So even just say he's here as the he's here for the wedding, and then he just goes on the ship with them. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, he's he, here for the wedding he, of good friends. And now yeah. this has happened, he's going on as the as a Klingon observer. It would have worked. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, well, while you're here, do you want to join us on this mission? Yeah, it's like you're already said to be here like, for a week. It just shows why you should probably get somebody who's actually watched the show in the past. <laughs> yes, an idea, isn't it? Like, I still think it's absolutely ludicrous. When, like, say with J.J. Abrams, he hadn't really watched Star Trek previously. And why do you hire somebody in charge of a massive franchise to make a movie who tells you, yeah, I've never watched any of it? Mm. I mean, if, if Abrams hadn't, he did a very good job. I, I, to be I, fair, he, he did. And, yeah, you do get mixed results with it. Like, Nicholas Meyer, I don't think, had seen Star Trek before Wrath of Khan. But he sat yeah, down and watched all 79 episodes. Yeah, he sat down and watched it. And that's where he got the idea for Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And, and I, 
I'd say looking at um, at 2009 Star Trek, I think Abrams must have done his homework. Cause it, it yeah, or, or, or whoever scripted it anyway, because at the end of the day, yeah. you know, the, the director doesn't need to have... You'd think they'd watch it to get yeah. the aesthetic and whatnot, but... That, that was the problem with Stuart Beard? Beard? Mm-hmm. Uh, with him because he even like a lot of the cast were saying it's like they had to explain to him why they couldn't do like why data couldn't smile here or why they yeah. couldn't do this yeah it's not their character they can't do that there's a reason which mm. has been heavily explained why they can't do Estab- it. established over the last yeah whereas it sounded like he didn't really listen to the cast whereas more with um jj he, he did by the sound of things yeah certainly by looking at the results so let's move on to Rivals then, and I know you're, being, you're giving me scorn for it, but I really, really, really like this episode. I just think it's no really good fun. I think it's funny. It's a Quark episode. I love Quark. I'm a big fan. No, no, no yeah, scorn. I was surprised again. by the, the, um, the passion you have for this episode. But I, do, I do. I don't know why. I do not know why. And I love the Tusk episode. There's nothing really that special about it, but Tusk, cool. Tusk, like cool, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is all people scamming people, really, and we've got a load of cons going on all at once, and he starts with this Martus guy, and he's trying to con the woman, and he thinks he's conning her about this asteroid belt, but then it turns out by the end of the episode she's actually conning him. But what I want to talk about with Martus is he's an Elorian, which is Guinan's species. And the early idea for this was that this would be Guinan's son. And they they even talked about having a Whoopi Goldberg cameo that she would turn up at the end and take Uh, him back to wherever. Um, Obviously, that didn't end up coming off. And the other thing was, he was meant to be like a recurring antagonist for Quark. Like, he was going to crop up every so often with a new side hustle to try and do Quark out of business. Um, I think they sort of... of, Yeah. I think they sort of transferred that to Brunt, really. You know, he he isn't setting up rival businesses, but he became Quark's sort of arch-enemy, really, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, one thing I do, uh, I mean, I thought it was a wonderful idea to bring in the Allurians and the idea of, like, yeah, of course, like, if you had that ability, that could completely be used for evil. Like, that, mm. that was a nice oh, yeah. time. And as much as I would have loved to have seen a Whoopi cameo, probably the better idea to just make this a standalone character. I think it worked very nicely, as was. That might be over-gilding Lillian, trying to put too much I think into the so. And, um, yeah, it, if Guinan turns up, you want it to be something really special... Like, yeah, you want it to be a kind of an episode. Yeah. Yes. Not just turning up to take someone home. Yeah. It it would have been overkill, but it's an interesting idea. And then O'Brien and his spring ball caught, which I love this. I love that It makes you wonder actually, <coughs> if you were planning to have Gainan turn up and, and take him home, would you go you've been a naughty listener. It's the earbuds for you. No listening. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. They're not allowed to listen for a while. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, so, yeah, we did Hippocratic Oath a few weeks ago, and that was when O'Brien and Bashir had got to that stage where they're good friends, but 
I like it when we revisit older ones like this, where this is where O'Brien still hated Bashir, and that was it, a yeah, really fun dynamic right. early on. It was, but oh, it's, it's an, only because I think you should not watch this episode if you just watched Cool Bashir from Series Six. Yeah, he's just so cool, so well written for. He's just better. He just really is better. And this one, he's just annoying Bashir, and it's like. Okay, okay. I mean, it was like nailed down chalkboard, but when I watched it, when I was starting on the first series through, and when I got to this episode on the second series, I didn't have that feeling, which is kind of funny. No, that's it. It becomes a much more interesting and fully rounded character, but he does show us the exercise which Elliot demoed for us at the start. (laughs) I just love how ridiculous it is. I put his other one in the thumbnail. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. unified. I, I, I don't know what it does, but it seems to give me a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, Martus gets the, this is where your space magic comes in. I think he gets the the ball, which no, I, I've got some. I've the, got a problem with this. Okay. I'll and not and not with this, it being space magic, but we've got this guy who all those put in prison for one, whatever reason. And it's just got this device that mm. no one knows what it is or what it does. And, yeah, that's fine. Like, to me, that looks very much like a thermal uh, grenade from Star Wars. Yes. Different colour, but it's like, oh, you've got this electronic device. What's it do? Oh, it's a gambling thing. Oh, yeah, of course you can take that in cell with you. Why are his belongings confiscated? Yeah, it'd be like saying, yeah, you can take your Game Boy in your cell with you. Yeah, they might have been able to scan it to prove that it wasn't lethal. I don't know. But but more to my point, with this guy, it was when they had the guy there. And as we know, they like to reuse stuff sometimes. So, like, you know, bits of uh, face props they might use and put together mm-hmm. to make a new uh, alien. Yeah. Here, we've got a Tosk, which has fucked a, a Bajoran who has had some sort of a relationship at some point with a Curzon, I think. <laughs> yeah. A, a Kazon, sorry, pardon me, not Kazon, not Dax, no. But it, it seems like it's a it's a uh, Bajoran Tusk. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Yeah, thing. yeah. It's a it's a bit. Yeah, what have we got left in the makeup chair? Here we go. <laughs> but never before have I kind of looked at the face and seen all the bits and where they probably come from. It's like I just noticed it straight away on this one. I think it's too early for the Kazon, but maybe it was used later for the Kazon. You never know. Yeah, I mean, this guy does look rough, doesn't he? I mean, he, he yeah. ends up. Obviously, he ends up dying after after he wins. So it's kind of like a magic eight ball. But if you win, you get good luck. If you lose, you get bad luck. Yeah. yeah. Is this a good time to, to kind of talk about how it works? Because it's like... So basically, this has the ability, through space magic, obviously, mm-hmm. to just change the properties of reality. Yeah. Of like, it, of, change of how change local probability. Yeah, it changes the laws of probability in a very localised area, but if you make bigger versions, it affects the whole station. Bigger area. Yeah, to the point where the way Bashir describes it, that O'Brien, whilst in mid-air, <clears throat> slips on a ball in the air, which is like, what? What are you even saying right now? Yeah. And it isn't all consistent, is it? It's like... Yeah, okay, so some of it's luck, like you're getting let out of prison, you could say that's luck. 
throwing a ball and it bouncing off 800 different what that's not luck that's it's it, it probability prob the, the laws of you're right yeah that's it so it affects it, the laws of probability yeah so like you you've changed laws of probability there was like a one in a thousand chances couple would say oh they don't want to press charges after all mm. you change probability so you get that one but then it should only be affecting Martus at that point, but somehow it's affected the couple wherever they were. Because they were to do with Martus. It's space magic, it's all. You're right, you're right, space magic. Yeah, the only explanation you need is like, he's a guy who had a thing which is from the Gamma Quadrant, Quadrant, space magic. Yeah, that's pretty much what we get. But let's not get hung up on this. Let's enjoy the fun stuff, which is O'Brien and Bashir. <laughs> I, I thought I wasn't going to get many comments in on this one, like negatively. <laughs> so, <laughs> when you describe how much you like, I love when Bashir comes home from this workout and he's just goes off on one with Keiko. And he's like, oh, I guess you prefer old star rules. I, do, I, th I just think Cole Meany's amazing in this. He genuinely looks pissed off about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think it's because he's such a he's a man's man, and then to see him being petty just is yeah. hilarious. It's always hilarious when someone high status gets petty. It's like how Keiko can't say anything though to calm him down. Yeah. Oh, but you slow down as you get a bit older. What? So I'm like uh, cold molasses. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's vulnerable to all of my best shots if I can just get them there. <laughs> I also love the fact that. Um, when she gives him that uh, silk scarf, yeah. which he's a perfume one, it's like, yeah, brilliant. That'll put fear into of God into your opponent. Smell like woman's perfume. That's a fair <laughs> point. <laughs> just but, saying, well, it it just, I get the gesture of it, but it doesn't look that manly when you get there. So what did you say, Elliot? I was saying it wasn't to put fear into Bashir. Mm. It's to give courage to O'Brien and that his wife's with him. That's it, like, this is one of, one of the very few scenes where Keiko is genuinely nice to O'Brien. Like, there's millions of memes about how horrible Keiko is, but this, she's a genuinely supportive wife. Yeah. Go kick his butt. Yeah. Like, we do have quite a bit before that, like, we have... Yeah, we do. We jump to, jump forward to that, but never mind. Yeah, sorry, just... We're on the yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Martus and Quark have this gamble, and I even like the the thing where it's clear that Quark really wants to buy this thing, but he's trying to make it look like he doesn't, and he you know, he puts the slips of latinum slowly on the bar, and he like oh go sell it on Bejo, you might get a meal, but it won't be a hot one. Yeah, but I mean. Why does he want it so much? I, I, again, this is sort of like... Because he, feel very explained. he can see that he can con people with this. Like, oh, somebody yeah. will... I mean, surely, Elliot, you could probably program an LED to light up on a 50-50 chance. Yeah, I mean, all he really saw was it lights up and makes a noise. He didn't yeah. really see it. So, it, yeah, it wouldn't... It wouldn't be it wouldn't be hard to duplicate it, but I don't know. Maybe it's got like a space magic -y allure. It's like the ring of power, yeah. you know. It, yeah, it draws you to it. Well, exactly. Yeah. 
felt they could have brought that in. They could have said mm. it's like, uh, you know, it's got a thrall to it. It's, you know, it, it attracts people to it. I, again, just one of the questions I felt wasn't the answer. Very true, well, very true. Be, like, you've got to imagine there has to be some sort of thrall to it because you've got the guy who's dying in the prison cell. He knows it's the losing gambling on this machine constantly that is in such a state. And yet he keeps having to go. Mm. But I, I think just adding a line about that might have... In fact, I don't know. It, it is very much like the One Ring because it betrays people after it's been with them for a while. Like the, the guy in yeah. the, the prison cell, it was obviously good to him at first and then it betrayed yeah. him and then Martus, exactly the same thing. Well, it's like, I, I feel like that's something you could have explored and it could have been a great allegory to, for gambling. Like, you know, Lady Luck is with you for a while and then it abandons you, you know, as quick as it came. No, yeah. the moral of this story is gambling is good because it raises <laughs> money for orphans. There it is. There after it is. <laughs> Quark's taken his small administration fee. Oh, Quark was amazing. I do, that's a scene I do love when he kind of guilts them into playing. <laughs> it's just the fact that he's already got the monks standing there. It's, yeah. You know, if he yeah. just he's said really it to got them. The yeah. I like to think they're not even real monks. Like, I think the money may have no, gone to the monks in the no, end. But no, I think Quark he's just paid a couple of Bashur and the homeless people. Quark has gathered real monks there in a crowd. You know he's done this because he's called an emergency to each of them. Mm. separately to get them there to do this announcement and he's got them cornered that they can't turn around when he says it's for the for charity for the monks they can't turn around and go no oh. we're not doing it yeah it's, i just like the idea that he put probably I, I like the idea somehow that he paid a couple of homeless bajorans just to dress yeah, up like done. <laughs> yeah absolutely right any two bajorans will do come on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's apparently stripes will be fine uh, yeah, so Martus takes advantage of this Bajoran widow and ends up opening his own club and everything, and that leads to this scene with Quark and Cisco. I think we we referenced it a while ago, but where... Yeah, not long since. Yeah, Quark's talking to him. He's like, you begged me to stay. He's like, I didn't beg you. I blackmailed you. <laughs> and then walks off. <laughs> but you've done quite well out of it, haven't you? And Quark hasn't got an answer. Yeah. And weirdly, Martus also poaches Rom from Quark, which is... I like that Rom's becoming more the Rom we know at this point. Like, the, I love where Quark says, Careful, Martus, he shaves the latinum. And <laughs> Rom's like, yeah, no, not much. Well, only a little. Yeah, not much. But then, the monetary system's interesting, this, because it's all about Isics in this episode. So I, I'm presuming Izix is like the native currency of Bajor, whereas the Ferengi primarily use Latinum. But all this stuff about the yeah. moons, I need so many Izix, and I don't think they're ever yeah, mentioned I again. Say. I yeah, guess so, it, yeah, I didn't even notice it. Yeah, good point. It's maybe one of them things where they were still playing around with what they were going mm. to call them, because we have, like, strips, bricks, and uh, whatever... Yeah, and there's an early episode where they talk about gold press latinum in in units of weight, like they say, oh, this will cost you three kilos of gold press latinum or something. Yeah. Uh, but they, they dropped that fairly quickly. Yeah, and it went really... like I mean, there, there is a lot of inconsistency. Like, later on, 
gold has always been sort of referred to as valuable still, mm. it, amongst the Ferengi. And then later on, they have the episode, well, which I'm actually, funnily enough, partway through watching at the moment, Who Mourns for Morn, yeah. where they're just going, useless gold? Yeah. And and they say, oh, I believe some societies still find it valuable. It's like, yeah, you did last series. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's, it's like gold... No, it's got the Latinum in it. The gold was still meant to be... Yeah, the gold is, is literally just uh, something to encase the Latinum in. Yeah, which has never been the case before. So in the first no. episode, they brought the, the Frankie in. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, next gen, they, they grab the combat because they think it's gold. Yeah, true. Maybe yeah. they changed. Maybe that was what happened in the great financial crash of Ferengana. Maybe gold got deposed as the... Yeah. I like it. I'll take it. There we go. That's that's our headcanon for the week, that that's what happened. Then, yeah, we need a jingle for headcanon of the week. <laughs> yeah. Headcanon of the week. We, we do sort of resort to a bit of slapstick. Like, O'Brien goes on his ass, then Kira goes on her ass. So... Yeah, yeah. It, it is cheap humour, but it yeah, does lead to O'Brien having that chat with Quark, and Quark just goes off on his little plan for what he's going to do you know, yeah. for this. Oh, the aging uh, master. Yeah. <laughs> the young pretender. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, the yeah, wonder of the wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also enjoyed the uh, scene when they're in ops just before Kira falls mm. down. And they're talking about, uh, so Dex is talking about the neurons traveling in different directions. Yeah. They might be 50-50, but 80% of them are traveling in the same direction. And it sounds almost like they're going to go for an explanation. They go, it's like, yeah, but that's nothing to do with it. It just shows what's happening. Yeah, I thought. Why it's happening. Okay, let's never discuss why it's happening again. Good? Okay, everyone's good. So, yeah, everyone's I think. Good. It's never explained. No, but it's it just feels like I'm meant to be explanation right Yeah. I no, thought, no. like you, I, I thought, I couldn't remember what the explanation was, but I was like, right, well, somehow this thing is affecting the neutrinos, and it's the neutrinos that are affecting the laws of probability, or something like that. Yeah. But no, you're right, it, it's absolutely not. It's just, yeah, they, they spin the one way. Yeah. We'll just spend a scene not explaining what's happening, but talking about you know, what's happening, not why it's happening. Yeah. And then all the machines pay out. And I love that Martus, his first thing he says is, is there any way I can blame you for this to Rom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Rom. He, even when he goes across the aisle, he gets shed on by his... Boss. It's true, yeah, well... I don't like, I don't like how uh, Rom starts... Because, like, obviously Martus is a listener... So Rob starts telling him all about his life. My dad, all the presents my da father bought me for my name day. Quack swapped for vegetables, <laughs> and then sold my presents for more money than my father paid for them. <laughs> <laughs> I also do like when we're when we're on the um, the new joint, which he opens up across the way. When you see it as well, like basically they've gone right. We need this to look spectacular. We haven't got the biggest budget just to use on this. Um, put in a wall and then just put some spangly lights outside the door. Brilliant. Done. So yeah. You can't see into the place. So yeah, that'll do. The way they've said that this is the biggest kind of best looking joint you've ever seen is by putting some some lights up yeah. like a um, stage door mirror. And it's it's weird, isn't it? Because like, like we said, there must be some allure to this game that goes beyond what we see because 
no, it, it's the only thing going on in this club is you can come, you can press a button, and it'll either light up or not. And yes. you think some people would be like, oh, I, you know, Quark's got a variety of games, but you think people would be like, yeah, you know, I don't like this game. Well, what was that? Sorry, Elliot. I was just saying with Quark's games, there's some skill to get proper gambling games. Yeah, like, true. Um, anyone who plays poker and that will tell you there's some skill to how you yeah. play it. There's, oh, yeah, yeah. there's got to be enough skill in a good gambling game to make you feel like you can get better at it. Yeah, but pressing yeah. a button for some sound and lights. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, poker, like, you're not playing your hand, you're playing the other player. Mm. Playing what you yeah. can make them believe, what they, their confidence is, all sorts of things. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it is, yeah, it's a bit batty. And also, as I say, you must have had the world's biggest replicator to get that replicated into the place. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder what, I wonder how it works out, what the, how much it pays out. Like, I suppose it'll have had to, but it's random, it seems random, doesn't it? But it'll have had to have worked out, right, well, it only lights up this many times out of ten or whatever. But it always lights yeah, up for him at this point, so he's always winning, so, yeah. There's a lot of... Yeah, it's very strange. This episode doesn't make sense, but it is great fun. No, it, it's all about space magic. That's yeah. Never explained. <laughs> never, what, what's unique about this episode, though, with space magic, is that they never attempt to explain the space magic. True. Yeah, no, I think it, it's one of those episodes where all you really needed, like, to, to say it's got a thrall, that's a one line you need to add to make yeah. it make more sense. And you could have even said, it, oh, it's made by the, uh, like, rumour has it, it was made by the Q Continuum and thus has magic properties. Yeah, something like, like that. It, of, like, it, you don't need much to explain this away, really. No, I'll say, yeah, the, the effect that it has on um, the laws of probability also have a... Triggering dolphins in the human brain, or yeah, something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they could have done, but you know what? You don't need to because the Bashir and O'Brien stuff is so much fun. And when they go back to playing, then Bashir starts losing. The bit where his racket breaks, I'm sure if you watch Alexander Siddig's hand closely, you can see him unclip something so that the head yeah. falls off it. <laughs> but, um, oh my. <laughs> And Rom ends up going back to Quark and O'Brien cuts the game off. And you do get this good fun thing where O'Brien's bouncing it all over the shop and... Yeah, he's just going... Catch. Yeah, and it is a funny shot. It makes no sense. But, um... Obviously then... Again, Elliot? Oh, and you're going to say, I was going to wait for you to go space magic. That was your cue, yeah. Um, yeah, the the trace. I think we've established by now that everything is space magic. True. Yeah. <laughs> but this is, I mean, this is like some some episodes have a lot of space magic in it. This is a space magic. Yeah, episode. it is. It, yeah. it definitely is. We should make a a comprehensive list of all the space magic episodes. I wonder if there's as many space magic episodes as there are time travel episodes. I don't know. We'd have to find out. Um, so they use the concentration of spinning neutrinos to home in on where the machines are 
and blow them all up. And that's that, really. Um, Cisco wants to arrest him, but he can't. Which, I like that. Yeah, that Cisco's like, oh, I'd love to arrest you for it, but I can't think of anything. I mean, I think maybe him just, like, not bothering about any due process and just blowing up those things. Maybe the early signs of badass Cisco. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I think he, he says, doesn't he, to, um, when he's chasing down um, Eddington, I think he says something like, I'll destroy you like I did those gambling machines. <laughs> so, it's when he shoots the gambling machines, I can see just a little stubble appear on his face. That's it's, it, it's, yeah. Because that's, that's very improbable that you stubble and... <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. It's improbable as well. I love that. Exactly. So anyway, he ends up in the nick. The woman. It turns out it was a scam, and somehow yeah, Quark it, it, gets him out. Which not entirely sure. It's fine, I think. I think there was a fee he could pay to get him out. Yeah. So is that how it works with yeah, crime? He's bail. Oh, he's bail. Yeah. And I yeah, think basically. I think that that was really a setup for he, he's out there somewhere. He might come back for revenge on Quark, but he never we does. Said, we, we haven't said a lot about the actor. He's um, he was in Fright Night, I think it was. Oh, was he? I knew I recognised him. Yeah, I think he was in a few films around the eighties. A very fun actor. I mean, great choice for a character actor to come into the show and i could have um yeah done with more episodes with him i think he could have been a fun addition yeah i don't i think it was that this episode apart from by me was not that well received so they just thought yeah, nah it was a well received episode like when you look i remember watching it originally and it won't it won't one of those that you thought yeah that was really good star trek but when you watch it back it's one of them that you can think yeah, this is really worth a watch again. It's just there's a good fun. Really good, yeah. There's some really good fun <coughs> stuff here. You um, see, yeah. when you've seen all DS9 and you know how Bashir and O'Brien get, this is one of the episodes that really shows how they didn't get on originally. Yeah. How Bashir used to wind O'Brien up all the time. Yeah, and this yeah. is one of the last ones before they start to bond properly, but... I think another reason I was so keen on it is because, as I've said before, like the DS9 was released on VHS with two episodes per VHS, and this one had Rivals and the alternate, uh, you know, where Ogo turns into a baddie and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So you had like one really light, fluffy episode and then one dark, action-packed really episode, dark and so. You know, it, it was a good tape to watch because you got both ends of the spectrum. So I think that's why. And the alternate's a much better episode. But I think, you know, back in the day where we had to fast forward and try and stop it at the right point, you were just like, nah, I'll just watch both of them. So that's yeah, probably I why I saw it so many times. You did used to watch both of them. And you used to watch both of them a lot. Because, let's face it, they were quite expensive. They were? Just for two, two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people yeah. talk about how much a streaming service is. Now. Yeah. You were paying, like, what were you paying? About 10 quid a tape. Like been a, when they were new, they'll have been about £10 each. You could. Yeah, yeah. And you're going back to the 90s, and now you, people go, oh, I'm paying £10 for a streaming service yeah. per month. And you can pay £10 and watch as much Star Trek as you possibly can in a month for 
the equivalent of less than what we'd have paid for two episodes back in the day. Yeah. Also, worth sticking into that, that uh, I think it, at its height, the cost went to like 13 quid before they moved Might to DVDs. Done. They did increase yeah. the price on it. And also, yeah, I mean, it's like not only did you have those two episodes on there, only two episodes, there's much less home video, much less kind of media to consume. Mm. So those tapes you had, you watched a lot. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. You didn't have so much around, you know, just we weren't as saturated as we are with constant new streaming shows. Oh, no, that's it. Well. You know, if well, you had... UK, we had... We had four channels back then. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean you know, you, you were kind of uh, seen as quite well to do if you had Sky back then. Oh, you know? yeah. Not you are. Yeah, it was, it was a real treat to go around a friend's house which had Sky. It's like, you've yeah. got like 60 channels? Wow. You know, now we've got 100. I mean, most of them were rubbish, but, but yeah, it was good. But yeah, that, that was the thing. If you had a VHS collection, you had seen every single one of those films or TV shows over and over and over and over. I mean, I don't want to diss like uh, Last of the Sun Wine, but I remember on a Sunday, because you would just, because you'd have like uh, on TV, because this just speaks to the lack of choice you had, you'd usually have some religious programs, you'd have mm -hmm. uh, some political stuff, EastEnders. So when you actually got comedy like Last of the Sun Wine, which again, like, there is a lot to recommend it, but you get way more excited than a kid should get about Last of the Sun Wine. Yeah, it's very it's true. All creatures great and small used to be a Sunday. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, that that's the other thing is television watching was more of a communal experience as well because most houses might have only had one TV and it wasn't a case where you can get all the same stuff on your phone as you could get on a TV. It was like you either watch that one TV in the living room or go to bed and read a book. You know, that there was no choice. So everybody kind of watched the same thing. I think I was uh, 10 or 11 when I got a pod. And the told I was so excited for that Christmas as I was getting a TV. Yeah. It became a two two TV household. Yeah. Yeah. My brother. This I was way ball. ahead of the mates. Yeah. My brother had this portable TV radio. It was about yay big oh. and like quite long. And the screen was just, just about like this big. Oh, my just, had yeah, and my dad had one of them. And I was my so mama, jealous of it. My mum got one for Christmas one year. Yeah. So she could watch TV while she was doing Christmas dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you have, the thing which really annoyed me is if like uh, after after Sunday lunch, sorry, we, we'll get off this tension in a second, but after Sunday lunch, uh, when one of my parents would go in one room, the other one would stay in the other. And so both TVs were on the same bloody program when yeah. they were the two TVs in the whole place. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have STV. We did do TV for Sunday lunch. We always had the radio on. Listening to good old Jimmy Savile. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to him? I don't know. I heard there I was some sort of scandal or something, but... Um, if you're listening to us at your place of work and you don't know who he is, don't Google it on your work computer. That's anyway. the warning. Um, but anyway, I think I think it's a rule of podcasting that when you start talking about Jimmy Savile, you've pretty much exhausted your topic for the day. So we'll wrap it up there. But before we do... Old men reminiscing about when they were kids and you didn't have all this choice. Absolutely. So, speaking of choice, though, Dr. Squee, 
you have a lot of choice coming up this weekend in terms of guests, in terms of events. Let everyone know what you're doing. Well, I mean, I've spoken about the lineup on Screefest, and uh, just today, I'm going to have to reprint all the kind of like uh, or redo all the kind of lineup because we've got a new guest announcement. If I can find the bloody thing, oh no, we're on retrograde. Don't worry, I won't look through the picture. But Nicola Bryant, Perry herself from Doctor Who, who was also in Star Trek, continues as well for the Trek of it all. She is joining Screefest. Uh, I couldn't be more excited. It just involved a little last minute change of schedule. So as opposed to uh, doing the two hours of retrack we were going to, Starfleet Command talked to the Doctor because they're good friends after the assimilation storyline and they've agreed to, to do it back down to one hour so we can fit Nicola in. Uh, it was very nice of Starfleet to accommodate. Yep. Um, and also, just while we we're speaking, we've had a donation. Uh, so the fundraiser for Squeefest is up to 70 quid already, which I couldn't be happier with. Uh, Bob Christian just uh, donated. And um, that's... That's days before you've even started, so this is going to be a good one. And yeah, we'll be on there at 7 o'clock. Oh, uh, is it 8 o'clock? Sorry. I, I believe it's. I'll have to double check. We will double check. Um, uh, Saturday night. Shelter Squee to donate to Shelter, which is the wonderful charity we're doing in Ada. Absolutely. And yeah, we'll be on there talking Galaxy Quest. We're really excited to talk about Galaxy Quest. I have absolutely yeah. loved rewatching that this week. It's so much fun. Um, it may just end up with us just reciting quotes from Galaxy Quest for an hour. Um, but we'll see. Um, I mean, I say about having, you know, worse problems to have than having to fit <laughs> into the lineup of your event. I mean, yeah. oh no, what a terrible thing. Yeah. But also, yeah. Also, I've got to spend all week watching great TV, which I love. I know, it's awful, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, check out all of Dr. Squeeze's socials. Uh, it's The links and everything are on the Retrek Facebook page. I believe, are we streaming Squeefest? We're streaming it through the Retrek stream as well. The only thing was, because we we, there's we only so many sites to stream to, I had to do it for the Retrek. When the one Retrek's on... It streams to Retrek page, that's stream one. But then on the other ones, you might have to go over to the Dr. Uh, Dr. Squee page or, like, we'll just share it. We'll probably, yeah. if I remember it, we'll share reshare it to Retrek. Yeah, all, so all the links are there, though, if you want to know anything about it. They're all on our Facebook group. You can check out Dr. Squee, search for Dr. Squee on Facebook or Twitter yeah, or the internet, anywhere. Any of the posters which I've done with guest announcements have in the corners the places where you can watch it, so it tells you exactly. But it's a uh, Doctor Squee on um, on uh, YouTube.com slash Doctor Squee, uh, Facebook.com slash The Doctor Squee Show, and Twitter. If you want to, it's not streamed to Twitter, but you can look up the details there, which is uh, Twitter.com slash Doctor Squee. Oh, and uh, it's also streaming up to Twitch, Twitch.tv slash Dr. Squee. So everywhere apart from Facebook, it's just Dr. Squee, but it's the Dr. Squee show on Facebook. Awesome. So that'll be Saturday and Sunday. We'll be there as well. We'll see you next week as well for Lower Decks and whatever random episode it throws us in. No doubt Martis will be in the next episode because we're an episode behind on the references. We got Justice this week, so... Um, yeah, we oh, will. It'll be DS9 episode and they'll be playing the game. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, space magic episode. The space magic special. Yeah. So thanks for trekking with us this time. We'll see you next time on the Retrek. Hello, Thank you. Bye bye.